Hey, everybody, get ready for an informative episode from Parents' Rights in Education. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm looking forward to our time together. We stand and defend the fundamental rights of all parents to raise their children and firmly believe children belong to their families, not the state, not the teachers, the teachers' union, or any other bureaucrat. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.com. Sign up to receive our news alerts. Like our Facebook page. Join or form a Parents' Rights and Education affiliate chapter. Making your voice heard is always easier with others. Just grab a couple friends and you're there. We will help with training, information, branding, and contact referrals. Let's start a Facebook group for you. Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.com. Hi, it's Suzanne Gallagher, Parents' Rights Now. This is part three of social-emotional learning, Stop, Head Start. I am sharing with you a white paper dated March of 2019, titled K-12 Education as the New Age Nanny State by Karen Ephraim, MD, and Jane Robbins, JD. The article is filled with footnotes and references taking you through a detailed evolution of SEL and how it permeates school curriculum today. Please note, we have their document on our website and we'll provide the link in our podcast notes. So let's recap part two of social-emotional learning. SEL is rooted in the history of American progressive education. The early 20th century progressive educators linked education with psychology. According to the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning, or CASEL, SEL is the process by which children and adults acquire and effectively apply the knowledge, attitudes, and skills necessary to understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, establish and maintain positive relationships, and make responsible decisions. The social-emotional traits include self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. SEL transfers the focus of instruction from family, civil, and religious institutions to the government school. John Dewey, the Dean of American Progressive Education, was enthusiastic about manipulating the psychological aspects of learning as a means of manipulating the child. He believed the great task of the school is to counteract and transform those domestic and neighborhood tendencies, the influence of the home and the church. Today, we're going to investigate statutory and other incentives to implement social-emotional learning. Goals 2000. The first foothold SEL gained in federal law came through the Goals 2000 Educate America Act, signed by President Bill Clinton in 1994. 
Not coincidentally, the same year CASEL came into existence. An early foray into the standards-based education reform, Goals 2000 was largely based on OBE, or Outcome-Based Education. States were required to adopt the statute's national education goals to receive federal funding through the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, ESEA. Reauthorized also in 1994 as the Improving America's Schools Act. This ESEA reauthorization also marked the first time the federal government required statewide standards and tests, which opened the door to more federalized control of education in the No Child Left Behind, NCLB. Race to the Top, RTTT slash Common Core, and Every Student Succeeds Act. SEL was a prominent part of all of these statutory reauthorizations and initiatives. Goals 2000 contained eight goals. The two most relevant to this discussion are inextricably linked. Goal one concerns preschool. By the year 2000, all children in America will start school ready to learn. While many would assume this goal relates to children being ready to learn, academic preschool subjects such as letters, numbers, colors, and shapes, that wasn't the intent of progressive education officials. They wanted young children to be ready to learn government-instilled attitudes, values, and beliefs, as covered in Goal 8, which reads... By the year 2000, every school will promote partnerships that will increase parental involvement and participation in promoting the social, emotional, and academic growth of children. Note that academic growth is the last item on the priority list. Even though parental involvement is mentioned, many parents questioned whether the schools and the federal government should be setting norms for or mandating anything related to the emotions and beliefs of their children. Nor did these parents consider themselves mere partners, subservient to government entities in this realm. Parents and pro-family organizations have long argued that based on unalienable rights and thousands of years of history, as well as legal precedent, they have the right to direct their children's education and care, and especially the formation of their child's attitudes, values, and beliefs. But as shown by Goals 2000, the progressive education establishment is headed in the opposite direction. Although some parts of Goals 2000 were repealed in the 2002 reauthorization of ESEA, No Child Left Behind, the eight national education goals remain in federal statute. NCLB specifically 
continued the preschool and SEL goals, 1 and 8, via the Foundations for Learning grants in a statutory section titled Promotion of School Readiness Through Early Childhood Emotional and Social Development. Young children were eligible for these mental health grants administered by local education agencies, nonprofits, etc., based on highly subjective criteria such as if the student is at risk of being from childcare, Head Start, or Preschool, for behavioral reasons, or if the child has been exposed to violence or exposed to prenatal depression or other mental illnesses. Such vagueness is typical of SEL programs because even experts and proponents admit the lack of agreement and subjectivity in SEL standards and assessments, especially for young children. For example, a major paper on infant and early childhood mental health by the National Center of Infant and Early Childhood Health Policy, published in 2005, concluded that broad parameters for determining socio-emotional outcomes in young children are not clearly defined. In addition to the Founders for Learning grants, No Child Left Behind promoted SEL, In other ways, grants for physical education programs were encouraged to promote instruction in a variety of motor skills and physical activities designed to enhance the physical, mental, and social or emotional development of every student. Mentoring programs funded in NCLB were required to provide an assurance that the mentoring program will provide children with a variety of experiences and support, including emotional support. Demonstration projects funded by programs for gifted and Native American students were encouraged to include the identification of the specific needs of gifted and talented Indian students, particularly at the elementary school level, giving attention to identifying the emotional and psychosocial needs of such students. Another early and still enormously influential vehicle for imposing SEL in schools is the federal Head Start program, which operates out of the Department of Health and Human Services. Despite substantial evidence of general ineffectiveness, Head Start routinely enjoys increased annual funding from Congress. The most recent reauthorization of the Head Start Act occurred in 2007. The standards that are required in 11 places in the Head Start Act must include SEL. Now this is of a great importance. The Head Start Act conflicts with other federal law that prohibits federal direction or control over school curriculum. The General Education Provisions Act, or GEPA, forbids any department agency, officer, or employee of the United States to exercise any direction, supervision, or control over the curriculum, program of instruction, administration, or personnel of any educational institution, school, or school system. But even though... HHS 
would certainly fall within the any department language, HHS, through the Head Start Act, includes no fewer than eight mandates concerning curriculum. For example, the Act requires alignment of curricula used in Head Start programs and continuity of services with the Head Start Child Outcomes Framework. The Head Start Act itself prohibits HHS involvement with curriculum. A. Limitation. Nothing in this subchapter shall be construed to authorize or permit the secretary or any employee or contractor of the Department of Health and Human Services to mandate, direct, or control the selection of a curriculum, a program of instruction, or instructional materials for a Head Start program. B. Special rule. Nothing in this subchapter shall be construed to authorize a Head Start program or a local educational agency to require the other to select or implement a specific curriculum or program of instruction. But despite this unambiguous prohibition, Head Start contains explicit curriculum mandates that have become the yardstick by which Head Start programs nationwide are evaluated. These mandates, in turn, dictate much of what happens in the state early childhood education programs in the United States. The Head Start standards require that curricula in all programs be aligned with the Head Start Early Learning Outcomes Framework, ages birth to five. That's called the framework. It is heavily oriented toward SEL. For example, the framework suggests that by age two or three, children should be evaluated on expressing, quote, empathy, unquote, toward other children, on social interactions with adults and with other children, and on awareness of emotions and ability to self-calm when upset. Other examples of controversial subjective and perhaps unnecessary social and emotional standards include those from various iterations of the framework. In 2003, progresses in understanding similarities and respecting differences among people such as genders, race, special needs, culture, language, and family structures. In 2010, understands that people can take care of the environment through activities such as recycling. Also, recognizes a variety of jobs and the work associated with them. 2015, shows ability to shift focus in order to attend to something else, participate in a new activity, or try a new approach to solving a problem, and identifies some physical characteristics of self, such as hair color, age, gender, or size. Some of these standards are manifestly unnecessary. Do children really need to be taught what hair color they have? Do preschoolers really need to know about different occupations? Others, such as the 2015 standard about ability to shift focus or try a new approach, call for highly subjective assessment. Viewed in this light, Many of these standards seem to be directed more towards shaping a child's personality and worldview, perhaps with an eye toward workforce development and future political activity than toward preparing him or her for the academic requirements of school. The Head Start standards embody the same philosophy as the influential 
developmentally appropriate practices of the National Association for the Education of Young Children, NAEYC. Like Head Start, NAEYC pushes SEL for preschool and early elementary children. Related to SEL, NAEYC emphasizes molding children's mindsets with respect to diversity. The practices adopted in 2009 deal with bias by warning, for example, even a child in a loving, supportive family within a strong, healthy community is affected by the biases of the larger society, such as racism or sexism, and may show some effects of its negative stereotyping and discrimination. Examples from other publications or drafts by NAEYC shows that its position on this issue has remained consistent both before and since the adoption of the practices document. In 1989, definition of whites, all the different national groups of European origin who as a group are disproportionately represented in the control of the economic, political, and cultural institutions of the United States. Then again, in 2010, definition of whites, a socially created racial group who historically and currently receive the benefits of racism in the United States. The category includes all the different ethnic groups of European origin, regardless of differences in their histories, ethnicities, or cultures. The 2018 draft states, Deeply embedded biases maintain systems of privilege that grant greater access and power uh, to people who are white, male, hetero, English-speaking, thin, and or middle to upper income. Both the Head Start framework and NAEYC's politicized practices affect more than just Head Start programs. State pre-K standards are frequently aligned to the Head Start standards and framework and to the practices. According to CASEL, approximately 48% of states consulted with the Head Start framework when developing their standards, and 60% of states relied on the NAEYC developmentally appropriate practices. Even private pre-K programs are frequently affected, especially in states that have a quality rating and improvement system, or QRIS. These rating systems usually require child care programs, including private and religious programs, if they want to remain competitive in a market with low profit margins, to teach and assess the state early learning standards with their subjective and often controversial benchmarks. The Federal Child Care and Development Block Grant, last reauthorized in 2014, also strongly encourages states and programs receiving federal funding to have a QRIS as well to comply with Head Start and its SEL mandates. Having both a QRIS and state early learning standards, all of which have an SEL component, was also a required element of the Race to the Top Early Learning Challenge, or ELC, grant program under the Obama administration. 
The ELC grants were funded through the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, the Stimulus Bill, and were used to encourage or bribe adoption of SEL standards in many of the other states' preschools. The ELC program was jointly administered by the United States Department of Education and Health and Human Services. The involvement of HHS and the Head Start Administrator, as well as frequent references to Head Start in the governing documents of the grant program, indicated to applicant states that the Head Start template for standards and curricula would be favored. Minnesota is one example of a winning state that touted its requirement of the state standards on the basis of QRIS, the North Star State's pre-KSEL standards in use at the time contained many that tracked entirely or substantially the 2010 version of the Head Start standards. For example, Head Start demonstrates flexibility, imagination, and inventiveness in approaching tasks and activities. Minnesota approaches tasks and experiences experiences with flexibility, imagination, and inventiveness. Minnesota and other ELC grant winners directly emphasized SEL in their applications. The state's, or Minnesota's, existing birth to five child development standards will be aligned with K-12 standards, which will be expanded to include non-academic developmental domains for children ages 5 to 12 an evaluation and review cycle to ensure the standards remain research-based and aligned to K-12. California will offer additional provider training in assessing social-emotional learning and ensure greater access to developmental and behavioral screenings. Partnering with Maryland, Ohio plans to expand its already well-developed kindergarten entry assessment to include all domains of school readiness, language and literacy, mathematics, social studies, science, socio-emotional, physical well-being, and approaches to learning. Through the influence of Head Start and NAEYC, then, SEL is a primary component of most early childhood programs in the United States. Well, I don't know about you, but after wading through this myriad of standards and the related funding sources to pay for the overblown regulations and education bureaucratic red tape, oh, by the way, there's more to come. I'm exhausted. Our education system is buried in too much content that has nothing to do with learning facts and practical life skills. It's no wonder our students are completely absorbed with themselves, and it's easy to understand why teachers are stressed to the max and students bored with school. Next time, we'll learn the connection of SEL and Common Core, social justice and mathematics, and the Every Student Succeeds Act. Thanks for joining me. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights Now. Please forward this to your friends. Do you know any parents who don't have any time to read lengthy emails? That's what the podcast is for. 
you have complete control over your access to this information and you can share it. Share, share, share. Please send it to your friends and invite them to subscribe to Parents' Rights Now. Don't forget to register for the Northwest Safe School Summit featuring Walt Heyer, Heidi St. John, Bernadette Broyles Esquire, and Rebecca Friedrichs. Check out events on our website. Parents' Rights in Education is a tax-deductible, nonprofit organization. We rely solely on your contributions. Help spread the word with a small monthly contribution. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.